Alright, what's going on? Episode 3, Mark's Takes. Today we're going to be recapping the Clippers last week and talking about is it time to hit the panic button in Los Angeles with the Clippers. So, last week was low-key kind of brutal. It started off good. We got a win against the Knicks. You know, that was a 10 a.m. game. We were like... We're winning 10 a.m. games, you know, put the league on notice if we're winning those 10 a.m. games. And I was asleep for half of it. But I was like, if we're winning 10 a.m. games, it's over, you know. Next game, Nets. Winnable game for sure. You know, the the Clippers looked really good in the first half. Just really didn't play defense. And the Nets played defense. We were all laughing about how... The Nets don't play defense, and we're just going to feast, and how our bigs are going to feast. And I was like, the opposite, basically. Like, DeAndre Jordan outplayed Zubak. Serge was horrible. Serge couldn't buy a basket, and he had Jeff Green guarding him. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck is going on? So that is not good. That was not good. We just, we couldn't play defense. And then also you have Reggie Jackson, who... He can't guard a lamppost if his life depended on it. So, I mean, he couldn't guard a light post, really. He couldn't guard a light post nailed into the ground. And it's not it's not unusual that all these guards for, like, the past five games or however long Patrick Beverly's been out have just been feasting on us. Win or lose, the guards are feasting every night, and that's the Reggie Jackson effect where, you know, we're missing Patrick Beverly's defense, and that's going to happen. You know, we may get the win, but the guard is going to drop 25 points a game, and it's not it's not going to be a surprise. That's just Reggie Jackson. So the thing about the Nets is, like, you can contain two of them, but you're still going to, you know, another one is still going to score. That's what I found so frustrating. I was like, yes, we did such a good job on KD. We did such a good job on Harden on that possession. And then you let Kyrie score, you know, like a fadeaway three. And that, it's tough. And I'm not going to make excuses, obviously, because we lost the game. It was a week ago. I'm just doing like a quick recap. But... I do think if Patrick Beverly was playing, it could have been different. I think that, obviously, Kyrie, you know, Patrick Beverly would make, I wouldn't say a huge impact on Kyrie, but I would definitely say he would be way better than Reggie Jackson. I think it's all about containment. Like, you can let him score 25 points instead of 37, and 25 points wins us the game, you know? So it's just stuff like that. That frustrates me about Reggie Jackson because, you know, we, they went to Cleveland the next night. They played Cleveland. We won. But Sexton, like, went off. You know, that's just the guard effect. And that's, I mean, it's happening every single night. It's not a, It's not unusual, honestly, just because of Reggie. That was a good game. Paul George went off. And little did we know that we wouldn't be seeing Paul George again for, you know, God knows how long. If it's going to be two weeks, three weeks. So, Paul George went off and then he got a mysterious injury. Whatever, a a toe swelling, toe whatever. He got some toe thing going on and I'm like, oh God, here we go. So then we got a big game Friday night. ESPN, you know, we, we don't get a lot of those games. ESPN, 
versus Celtics, they're shorthanded. You know, they didn't have Jalen Brown. They didn't have Marcus Smart. But, you know, who steps up big time? Kemba freaking Walker. And you're like, oh, my God, another point guard. And it's like, yes, because this is happening because Reggie Jackson cannot play defense for the life of him. Kawhi was also really bad in the fourth quarter. That was so frustrating because the Clippers were looking really good. They were up big. They were up like 18 points or something. Completely blew it. Could not buy a basket. They had a, It was a kind of a wild ending. Like Lou Williams hit a three at, at the end. But they were down four at the end. And there was like 10 seconds. Reggie Jackson just like dribbled it up and like the game ended. Like you're down four, dude. There's like 10 seconds. You could get a shot off and then foul. And he did. He's just a bonehead. Like I don't know what he does sometimes, but he that was his definitely his worst game. He was despicable, unplayable liability out there. And I was like, we we gave him way too much credit because that was oof, my god. Like he threw, he couldn't guard Kemba like in the backcourt at the end of the game and all this shit. Like that was defensively really bad. And we're like, okay, you know. Tough loss, no Paul George. Hopefully he he bounces back Sunday. A day before Sunday comes, they're like, no Paul George. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. And guess who has the best game? Who's the Western Conference Player of the Week? That's right. De'Aaron Fox had a crazy game yesterday, and you're like, why? I mean, that's so weird. Like, is there's a pattern going on, right? Another guard. Another guard with... A crazy game against us. Kawhi was horrible. His past two games, his MVP, you know, ranking dropped significantly. He, something about him and his leadership, I really start to question in these games. And I'm not saying hit the panic button, but I am saying that he needs to step up big time as a leader when Paul George is out. Because I'm starting to think that Paul George is more like a verbal leader than Kawhi Leonard. And without Paul George, sometimes he ain't shit. And without Paul George, it really looks sometimes like the classic Doc Rivers uh, offense where it was just so stagnant. There's nothing going on. Just kind of shoot it at your own will. Hope it goes in. No passing. And just brutal. And unfortunately, without Paul George, there's not as much floor spacing. Like, Paul George really spaces the floor. Everyone's, you know... Just it's it's frustrating to watch because I I I know how good Kawhi is, but then he's he does not play well. He's passive or he's just shooting horrible shots. And yesterday he was shooting shots that he usually makes, but he was missing them, which again was frustrating. Another winnable game, and the Clippers they dropped two in a row. Definitely two winnable games. It kind of looks like we're resorting back to like the old Doc Rivers play style but without Doc Rivers which is even more frustrating I'm like you gotta burn all the Doc shit Lou I don't even care you gotta burn it all just burn it all and it's frustrating I mean we were the only team that did that hadn't lost two consecutive games and obviously that's over we're going on a two-game road trip to Minnesota and Chicago those aren't those aren't easy games, and without Paul George and Patrick Beverly, who knows what's going to happen? You know, Minnesota, you never know. Chicago, we got Zach Levine, I mean, and Kobe White. The guard play there is insane. So it's like, if we're going to have Reggie Jackson on Kobe White and, like, 
Zach Levine, we're in big trouble. Big, big trouble. So we really need Paul George coming back. I guess he's day-to-day, but it's still like, you know, I keep reading conflicting reports how it's like this injury, you know, another player had this injury and was out for like four months. And then they were like, oh, he's day-to-day. So I'm like, really, like, what is the, what's the truth? And we don't, no one really hears anything until like the day of the game, but I would really like to see, I'm interested to see if he's traveling with the team for the two-game trip. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet, but if this road trip goes poorly, I would say hit the panic button, trade Lou Williams, and see what's out there for Patrick Beverly. The thing about Patrick Beverly is I I sometimes do believe that he is our third best player on the team. I mostly think it's Batum, but I think he has the ability to be the third best player on the team, but he can't do it because he's so he's injured all the time and he's just wasting he's rotting away on the bench. He's rotting away at home when we're on the road because he's injured. We never see these injuries any time during the game. You know, he'll be perfectly fine for the for 48 minutes and then, you know, a day later he's out. He didn't go on he didn't go on the road trip. He's been out. He's been out for like 8 games now, right? He's a 6 game roadie. I mean, we never hear anything about this and we can we, we can only take so much Reggie Jackson. I don't I can't take many more games with him in the starting lineup. I can't do it. I'm almost about to pull the trigger on Terrence Mann over over Reggie Jackson. Even though these past couple games have been rough, I think a bright spot, not just in these two games, but in like the past, in the whole season, has been Terrence Mann. I think he's taken a huge step up in his playing, like his play style, his defense, really everything. Like without Paul George and without Patrick Beverly, like Lou is asking him to guard some of the best players in the league. And he's doing a really, really good job defensively. Offensively, he's looking more conf- he's looking more confident, you know, he's looking to shoot. He has a nice layup package. You know, I really like what I'm seeing and it looks like he's be- he's actually becoming like an NBA player instead of just a bench warmer, you know, a to- a two-way player. He really is really looking like an actual NBA player and I really really like that. I think like I'm generally I'm genuinely happy when he checks into the game because I'm like, he's going to bring something to the table every night. Just like his play style, his effort. It's definitely very noticeable. And I think all Clipper fans are noticing it, that he's, he's taking a huge step up. But again, and I'm just going to preface and say, I'm like pretty pessimistic Clippers fan. Like, not, I wouldn't say pessimistic, I would say realistic. So when I see that we're losing these games pretty poorly, you know, it's, it's, it's worrisome because it worries me. Because, like, this looks like we're going back to the old Clippers from last season. But I don't think it's time to hit the panic button considering the injuries. And I think that plays a big role. I... The only other thing that scares me is, like, when everyone's back and healthy, if that ever happens, does that mess up, like, team chemistry? I never know how these things work, obviously, because I'm not an NBA player, but it feels like we just never have the full squad healthy, ready to go, and that's just, like, the way it is as a Clipper fan. 
and there's always someone injured. I feel like it's even gone back to really the the old days of Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre. There was always someone injured, and it really starts, you know, I really start to question the training staff there, that one guy who I tweeted about, I don't know his name, but he's been there for a long time now, and I question his ability and what his motives are as a training, and you may be like, yo, like, that's really stooping pretty low, you know, as a, that's stupid low, like, why would he do that, but I'm like, it's been eight years of constant injuries, and I'm like, yes, this could just be, you know, Clippers, we have bad luck, but then I'm like, no, there's always someone injured, and it's frustrating, we never play the majority of the games in the season, with a full squad and to me that's really frustrating watching like all these other teams who have completely healthy squads the entire season and yeah I mean it's frustrating again I'm not trying to like pick on this dude the training staff dude or like stoop low but it does make me you know think that's all I'm saying I'm just thinking about his motives and his ability to be a trainer with the Clippers just after eight years of injuries after injuries after injuries so yeah I mean I think this two-game trip is it's low-key really important obviously we're the third seed right now and one two and three like it's going to be hard for us to catch up to one we could maybe go to two but like we need to win games the gap between three and four is pretty big so I don't think we would stoop down to four, but I really don't want to go below the the three in the standings. And I know it's pretty early and stuff, but we don't want to be like losing three, four games in a row. Like that's not, that's not what we want. I do think it is a good experience for the team to like go through this. It's not all sunshines and rainbows. We thought it was, I was very confident. I was like with Paul George playing the way he was, I was like, we're never going to lose a game. We aren't. And then, boom, it hits you like a truck. It's not all sunshines and rainbows, and I think it's important to realize that and, like, grow as a team and a fan base as well. And I say that every year, and then they break me to the point where I have to take an emotional break from seeing anybody and going on any social media for a week, and that will probably happen again this year. But, you know, that's just the cycle of being a Clippers fan, and I I somehow for some reason, keep doing it, but yeah, I mean, big road trip, I mean, this is important, I really need Kawhi to go back to his, you know, MV, MVP caliber play, he was playing really well, and then he had like a big drop off, and I'm like, what is going on, I don't know, I think he really needs Paul George there, and I'm not questioning his ability as a player, because I know he's a great player, but I'm questioning his ability to be a leader without the presence of Paul George. Like, dude, you need to step the fuck up. We don't, I don't want to see them lose four games in a row, three games in a row, whatever, whatever it ends up to be. So, yeah, I mean, I'm questioning his ability to be a leader, I would say, without Paul George, for sure. And I think the only way for me to not do that is to see him actually step up and become a leader and facilitate, score. He's just been shooting bad looks. His shots look flat. 
His shots looked horrible against the Kings. I mean, Lou Williams was our top scorer. And I'm like, if Lou Williams is our top scorer, oh, man. I mean, it's good because his trade value is going up, up, up. But it's also like, man, we, we got to be better. Everyone's got to step up, you know, exponentially. And speaking of Lou Williams, I Twitter today was in a frenzy about Lou and Patrick Beverly and how Lou Williams, it always seems like Lou Williams is in some type of trade talk. And, you know, if he's scoring 23 a night, trade value goes way up. The only way I would trade Patrick Beverly would probably be for, like, Kyle Lowry. That's probably it because I saw he's also on the on the trading block. So I was like, I think that's the only way I would trade Patrick Beverly. And we would have to give someone else too, like, probably be Zubak and Lou and Patrick Beverly and a second rounder. I mean, that's a lot for a, a pretty old Kyle Lowry, but it would be fun. It would be the Toronto Clippers reunited once again. And, yeah, I mean, that would be exciting. That's really the only way I would give up Patrick Beverly. I'm not going to just give him away for, for I don't know. I, I, I was on that scary Terry train, but from what I've seen, I watched the Hornets game today. He's out of the starting lineup. Which is good if we just want to, you know, send Lou and a couple second rounders over there. They wouldn't do that, I don't think, but you never know. He's, he's out of the starting lineup. He got replaced by LaMelo. He looks horrible. And that's good for us. His trade value is going way down. He's tanking his trade value. But I don't know if I would trade Patrick Beverly for Scary Terry. Just because I think Scary Terry's been pretty bad recently. I think Kyle Lowry is really the only option. Or if we got, like... I don't know, Brad. Like we, I don't know. I think only Kyle Lowry. No one wants Lou Williams solely, and I stand by that. Who the fuck wants Lou Williams solely? No one. No one would even take Lou Williams in a couple draft picks either. I really don't think that. I think that they're looking for like two or three Clippers players in a big deal. And by the way, the Clippers front office moves in silence. So stop spreading the shit around. They move in silence. You're going to see if they end up doing like a big-ass trade, it's going to break the internet when you least expect it. So just stop with the boring-ass rumors. Stop with everything. And just let them do their thing in silence. All right, that's going to wrap up. Uh, In regards to this podcast, I'm going to do a once a week. I'm going to recap the Clippers every week. And I think that's just a better way to do longer episodes instead of doing like after every game or just talking about one topic. I want to recap every week. Clippers, you know, Clippers weekly recap. Mark Stakes. And I I also want to, you know, talk about other stuff as well. Like I want to start talking about March Madness. I want to start talking about betting. But for right, right now, Clippers only. All right. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll catch you later. Peace out.